in my my cold prospecting for fourth quarter for my year-end appeal, I targeted 150 people who have no relationship with our agency, never given a dime. And of that 150, I had 15 come to my holiday open house. And of those 15, 12 wrote a check before the end of the year, and the smallest check was $2,000. You're on a mission and you just need more people to know about it. And whether you're brand new to marketing or a seasoned pro, we are all looking for answers to make marketing decisions with purpose. I'm Monica Pitts, a techie, crafty business owner, mom, and aerial dancer who solves communication challenges through technology. This podcast is all about digging in and going digital. I'll share my marketing know-how and business experience from almost 20 years of misadventures. I'll be your backup dancer so you can stop doubting and get moving towards marketing with purpose. Hello, and welcome to Nonprofit Marketing with Purpose. My name is Monica Pitts, and I'm your host and the lucky lady who gets to interview our guest today. Now, before we jump into the interview, I have a favor to ask. Will you review this podcast wherever you're listening, whether it's on Spotify or Amazon Music or iTunes? See, our goal is to help more nonprofits just like you have less stressful and more successful marketing so that they can do more of their good work and make our world a better place. But I can't help them until I meet them. And so your review can actually help me change that. When you leave a review, it helps this podcast show up when people are looking for answers to the problems that the podcast is meant to help them solve. So if you are a nonprofit marketing with purpose fan already, and you haven't reviewed the podcast, or if this is your first time and you learn a thing or two, leave a review so we can connect with more awesome nonprofits just like you. Thank you so much in advance. Now let's get to business. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Carol Bennis. And Carol participated in our year-end giving training um, activity workshop thing <laughs> last year. And during our breakout sessions, we talked about campaign planning. And she really wowed me with her tactics and how she managed her volunteers and just projected this like highway of how she was going to cruise through and get the awesomest campaign results ever. And so I wanted to invite her here with me today to share with you guys how she does this. So that way you guys can learn a thing or two and, and maybe also run an awesome year in giving campaign. So to kick us off, Carol, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization and what you do there? Sure. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Um, my name is Carol Bennis. I'm the executive director of Child Safe Colorado. Uh, Child Safe provi provides therapy to victims of childhood trauma that results from abuse and neglect. About 70% of our clients have been sexually abused as children. And um, sadly, the need continues to grow. Um, the demand for our services has more than doubled in the past 10 years. Last year, we almost served 1,100 clients, which is mind-boggling to me. I don't live in a major city, so it's shocking, but we're grateful that they're finding us. Um, my background is uh, predominantly um, marketing, marketing strategy, um, and uh, strategic planning. And so when I took the helm of ChildSafe, um, Fundraising was the number one priority. In fact, I believe I have 
seven bullet points in my job description that reference some form of raising money. So it's just, we need capital money. We need this kind of money. So um, needless to say, I, I got the message and raising funds was the most important thing I could do for this organization. So that's what I've been doing for more than three years now. Well, it's not a wonder that you have such an ability to run a successful year in giving campaign when you have a background in marketing and strategic planning, because <laughs> that is so much of what I feel like makes a successful campaign work. Now, um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about your year in giving. Like how long have you guys been running a campaign at the end of the year? Well, ChildSafe is um, currently in its 36th year. They've never had a year-end appeal until I arrived in 2019. So our year-end campaign is three years old. And how, so for some organizations, it's really a cornerstone of their fundraising. Is it becoming that way for your organization? Absolutely. Um, this past fourth quarter, we just had a phenomenal campaign. Um, things really are starting to build for us in that fourth quarter arena. And people are really starting to understand the benefits of supporting child safe. So um, yeah, it's, it's finally coming along. <laughs> so. Now I know that you're the executive director. Tell me a little bit about the support system that you have to help you fundraise for child safe. Well, um, as you can imagine, um, the vast majority of our staff are clinical therapists. Um, that's what we do. Um, I have five um, members of the administrative team, two full-time uh, team members and three part-time team members. The three part-time members are administrative assistants, they do billing, they man the front desk, they do a variety of projects predominantly for me. Um, then I have an operations manager who's responsible for um, our finance, our bookkeeping, um, our human resources needs, and our facilities needs. And then the final person is a marketing and events manager who, you know, as you can imagine, uh, manages all of our events, um, manages our monthly um, e-newsletter, manages our social media, uh, you know, a variety of other things. But um, we're pretty lean. We're looking at about 11% of our total overhead is administrative. And understanding um, the the percentage of admin um, admin overhead, fundraising overhead, and then programming um, overhead has been a real breakthrough in our messaging. People are very, very impressed. I believe the national average is 20% of the typical nonprofit's overhead is devoted to um, administration. So um, it's always big news to somebody when you fall below 20%. And as a business that provides a service, like mm -hmm. my biggest expense mm -hmm. are the humans that work for me. Like mm -hmm. that is what all my money goes to is to pay these people, right? So to me, it's yeah. amazing that you guys can provide this service with that small amount of overhead. You guys are so incredibly lean. And I think that's partially like, and how do I, I'll take a step back. So I feel like your ability to run lean is in due in part to your ability to effectively manage your volunteers, right? Because it sounds like they're a really big part of your year-end giving campaign. Yes, they are. They are. Absolutely. And so 
you had, so part of what I wanted to talk about was what people should be doing right now to get ready for their year-end giving. Because I know that both of us are already thinking about all the different things that need to be done. So Mm -hmm. right now in March, what are the things that you're doing right now to make sure that you have an amazing fourth quarter? Well, I am holding um, all of my individual donations, my private donations, not from grants, not from sponsorships, but um, gifts given by individuals. I'm holding them side by side for the last five years. I'm trying to understand who is stretching in their support for our organization, who's starting to pull back, who has lapsed, um, and um, who are the new donors. So I can, I can speak to them in very different ways. So I am segmenting my target list right now, and I'm understanding um, where the, um, the activity is, where the momentum is. Is somebody starting to slip away from me? I, I need to interact with that, those individuals right away. Um, is somebody doing more? I need to interact with those individuals right away. (laughs) So, um, and the other thing that I'm doing right now is I'm looking um, outside of my organization. I'm looking at other nonprofits in my geographic footprint and in my industry space and understanding who is giving to them because they're the people who care about kids. And what I do Um, is an important service for people who care about kids. So I am doing some significant prospecting right now. By the end of the first quarter, I should have a a significant um, list of new prospects. And I found these names on, um, on other people's websites, in their social media, on their annual reports. Some organizations still acknowledge donors by giving levels. And I'm, I'm trying to understand who's out there. I'm looking at Style Magazine, which is a publication in Northern Colorado, where um, photos are published after major fundraising galas from other nonprofits. And I'm looking at the names and the captions to say, hey, who's going to their events? Why aren't they coming to mine? And why aren't they a donor? So I'm gleaning that information in, in in every possible way I can get my hands on it. The most important way I'm finding that information is I'm asking my volunteer board, who do you know? Who can you introduce me to? Who do you know? Um, Who are you aware of? Can you give me an email introduction? Can you and I meet with this person? Um, do you just want to slip me the information and never mention your name ever again? You know, tell me what works for you. And I find that I got a lot of engagement from my board by taking that approach. I won't lie, more than 50% of my, my recommendations come in the please don't tell them I told, told you so um, category. But, um, but then I also have um, the board members who are saying, um, you know, hey, I'm on the board of this really great organization and I've copied the executive director. You know, I want you to meet her so you can learn more about it. I think you'll be passion- as passionate about this organization as I am after you have a conversation. And so those are really valuable and that really amps up your engagement time significantly when somebody will personally introduce you. My poor friends, <laughs> my poor friends are always... Um, slipping me names or ideas. Um, and if I, if I don't hear from people, I'm always saying, hey, what's going on? What are you doing that's new? Who have you met? Who should I know? Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm that friend. Um, and then I have, um, I have made it my business. So, you know, in addition to doing donor surveying once a year, I reach out to my most loyal donors and I have that conversation with them, first of all, to see how their experience is going. Because I recognize that when somebody writes me a check, and especially if somebody writes me a significant check, there is an incredible euphoria that follows. People are so excited they've been able to do something of this amount for you. And I think that, um, that when you're fundraising, it's important that you engage while they're still in their state of eu euphoria, while they're so excited to hear what their donation is going to do for the community and how, how it's going to be used in this organization. And, um, and we have really clear examples of where um, individual donations are invested in our organization. So I say never give up, never stop asking and always ask your donors because they know people. I think it's great that you guys have the people in for the open houses because you're showing them that you are providing a great quality service in a really comfortable atmosphere, that you're a good steward of their investments by making this amazing and transformative experience for the people that you serve, which are kids. But then two, you're also explaining to them that you still have needs and those needs include things like paying for the building. Exactly. <laughs> so Exactly. And they get to meet the therapist. Mm -hmm. So my therapist will um, lead, uh, they'll guide um, personal one-on-one -on -one tours and explain what happens in this room and what neurofeedback is. If people don't want to engage, we have a self-guided tour. On every room, there's a little placard describing what goes on in a sand tray room, why we do this, why we have art therapy, why we have play therapy, why we, why we have a therapy dog, why we, why we do this, this, this. So you can learn our story just by walking through the building, or you can have somebody tell the story and you can ask questions. So it sounds like right now in March, your year-end giving planning steps include reviewing all of your data, like reviewing how you did last year, where it came from, yes. and then making sure that you really understand who the people are that contributed, who the people are maybe that didn't contribute. Correct. So that way you can formulate the message and the ways that you're going to communicate with them throughout the year to deepen your relationship so that you have the ability to have a meaningful ask at the end of the year. It That's sounds like you're also doing competitive analysis, like looking around and, and you're also like researching for new donors. And those were some really creative ways that you <laughs> described there. Like, I especially love the example that you said that you're looking at the back of magazines and all the pictures from all the galas and the names mm -hmm. that is, you're like a detective right now too. So you're, well, you're really deep into the, the planning and detectiving. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. I just know that there are a lot of people who want to do a lot of good things in our community. And I see my job as being in the invitation business. I'm in the invitation business. Let me help you do good, do good in the community. Why don't you come to have fun at my event, but why you're going to do good in my community, in our community. So, yeah. So I step back and say, yeah, you know what? I'm not really in the administration business or the fundraising business. I'm in the invitation business. And I'm going to find a way to invite you to participate any way I can think of all year long. So I like that um, mentality because I think a lot of people think about fundraising and 
they, they just say it's asking for money when in actuality it's building a relationship and then giving a person an opportunity to get involved. Right. Like that's what it is. It's not asking for money. And if you think about it, like asking for money, it doesn't work. And it's so fun. My kids did a readathon with their school. They were so pumped about asking everybody to donate. They thought it was the coolest thing. And I thought, wow, this is crazy because adults don't think of it like that. They were just very excited. And then with um, some of the money that they earned, they did a a missions um, outreach Mm -hmm. initiative where they went and bought clothes for refugee children. And they were so pumped about it, like that they got to do this thing for these other people. And it like my kids are excited to be involved in helping someone else. And I think that adults have that excitement too. They just are busy and they get caught up and we like, you're giving them an opportunity to feel that way. I think you need to capture those um, philanthropic hearts when people are very, very young, (laughs) which is why when on Fridays, when we don't have clients in the building and on Saturdays, um, I will typically invite, for example, if I have um, somebody who, um, yeah, no, I don't have time to take of your, a tour of your building. And, I, and I, knowing if somebody has children, I can say, well, you know, if your children would like to do a little volunteer project with me on Saturday, we can take two hours and do, and of course they come and of course they see the building. And sometimes they're, you know, refeeding the hummingbird feeders on our back deck, or sometimes they're just refilling all the snack baskets we have throughout our building for kids. And they get very excited about that. And those people will get excited about seeing the light go on in their children's eyes when their kids realize they're helping people. And those parents don't forget it. So um, it's my plan C tactic when I reach out to somebody and they don't want to come and they don't participate and I try something else. And then I say, hey, I know you have kids. We do little tiny volunteer clinics for kids. Do you think your kids would like to participate? There would only be four other children in that clinic on that day. But we'd like to help kids understand why it's important to help people. And nobody's turned it down. (laughs) So it's, you know, all I have to do is have some juice boxes and some snacks. And um, we usually have some old race t-shirts from our prior 5K where they can pick out the one they want. And um, yeah, they go, they go away. The kids go away elated and like, I just helped, I helped other kids. And those parents don't forget that. And then they respond differently the next time we approach. So. And I like that you give the kids these hands-on projects that they can really do because just having kids write letters or do thank you cards, that feels like busy work. I feel like to my kids. And then two, one year, my daughter who is 11, Mm -hmm. it was probably two years ago. She's like, well, maybe I want to have a a fundraiser. Maybe I want to do a peer to peer as part of Como gives and people can donate stuff for my birthday 
And I'm like, okay, but you do know that you have to do it on behalf of an organization and then the money just goes to them. And she's like, so I don't get to buy presents for the kids and go give them to them. And I was like, no, that's not really how it works. And she was like, well, then I don't want to do it. (laughs) She was like, I want to give those presents to the, I want to shop for the presents and I want to give the presents to those kids myself. I don't care that I don't get them for my birthday, but because she wasn't going to be able to give them herself, she was like, well, I don't want to do the fundraiser then. And I was like, okay, well, I get it. (laughs) No, it's really, really important. And, you know, something as simple as filling our snack baskets. <clears throat> they were saying, why do you have so many snacks? Why do you have yogurt and so, much, so many drinks and all this fruit? Well, sometimes children have appointments right after school. Are you ever hungry after school? I'm starving. That's exactly it. You're, st- you're so hungry. You can't wait for dinner. You need a snack. Every kid I know is hungry right after school. Um, And then, you know, I've had kids, some kids say sometimes after dinner, I'm still hungry and the parents will look like, oh my gosh, but, um, but uh, it's, it's really neat because they know that. So somebody who's coming to you right after school, they need to not have a grumbly tummy. That's right. Because then they can't do the hard work they need to do. And so that's why we have snacks. Do you think we have good snacks? What else should we be getting? So what else do, what else does somebody your age like? And I have them write it down on a list, you know, so, oh, you should have this. Oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to get that next time. Thank you so much. You know, and so it's, it's, it is, it's, you know, it's having them engage with why we're doing something we do and they get to contribute. They get to brainstorm and give an idea and they get to celebrate at the end. And it's such a simple donor cultivation tool. It's just such a simple, simple thing. And I'm telling you, every time I've done that, that outreach to somebody who's turned me down cold, Hey, would you like to stop? I'd love for you to see it because it explains itself. What our facility tells our story and people turn me down all day long, every day on that. But when I say, Hey, you know what, we're going to have a little, um, a little um, kids clinic to open kids eyes um, up to why they should help others volunteering and nobody's ever turned it down. So yeah, it's just, it's something tiny. And well, and I think that's because you know, your donors, because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that to get people my age involved, you're mm-hmm. going to probably have to involve my kids. Like I don't go to the galas very often anymore. I might go to one a year, I have to get a babysitter. I have to deal with all that stuff. Like there's all the prep that goes on beforehand. It's like, I would, I mean, I'll just write you a check. I'm not going, you know, but you also want me there because you want me to hear your story and become further invested. And so like that you are involving the family members, I think shows that research that you're doing is is good. It's like all that marketing background, right? Yeah, like, it's just like the, how can I get to them? And it, and it's really kind of important to to think beyond how you normally identify prospects or you know potential donors um, by thinking um, way outside of the way the organization has traditionally identified prospects. In our case, yeah, they never took any time to identify prospects. But um, if you work for an organization where you have. Um, you might need to step back to say, well, how can I involve area churches? You know, what if I reach out to area churches and ask them if, you know, the weekend after Mother's Day, they'd help us plant flowers in our beds. 
Mm-hmm. So our flower beds around our building are beautiful all year round. You're going to get a room. Um, or we need help doing this project or that project where people, if they, you can physically get them to your location. Um, you know, I had, I had um, volunteers planting flowers for me and um, I had one of our um, college interns going around with a popsicle basket. So everybody could take a popsicle break or, oh, we had lunch served and it was, you know, everything that people love, but wouldn't think wouldn't normally do for lunch, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. and so, and so people got to engage with us as, you know, a person, they got to know our persona and then, and then they walked away with this different opinion. And so we've tried to um, identify very unique potential donor audiences by going outside of the box. Yes, I participate in nonprofit fairs. Yes, I go to employee information fairs at all the large employers in town. Yes, I do this, I do that, you know. But and we're also doing some things um, well off the beaten path because we really want to differentiate who we are and how we do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're engaging with people. We have a lot of people over the age of 60 come to plant flowers for us. Um, people who, who didn't hesitate to write a check the following week. And that's not why we have them in. We truly just wanted to do some friend raising. We wanted to build awareness. We wanted people to get it and connect with us because it's that personal connection that will um, really shorten your, um, your lead time in securing a gift. So one of the things that we've been talking about now for the past few minutes is volunteers, right? Mm-hmm. And um, volunteers, I know, are one of the things that makes your year in giving campaign so successful. Mm-hmm. And you have an interesting way of managing your volunteers using some base level technology, mm-hmm. but really keeping them organized. So I was hoping that I could kind of pick your brain a little bit about that and have you share it with other people. So the first question I have is like, what made you think of managing this volunteer delegation the way that you do it? And like, what was happening before you started this way that made you think this is going to be awesome? Yeah. Well, as I said, we did our first year end appeal in 2019 and it was a, oh my gosh, it's September. Why has there never been anything like this before? And so we concentrated on scrubbing a really good list and writing a really decent letter and including one little reference tool and getting them out to see what happened. And you know, we did, okay, I think we raised about $15,000 that first year. And we were like, okay, that's awesome. Let's start planning for it. Um, when Colorado Gives Day was um, happening, we had volunteers doing their little volunteer projects. And I noticed that they were constantly going back to somebody's desktop to refresh the thermometer on where we stood, you know, here's our goal. This is where we think really, really excited about that. And so what I did for the past two years was to build in some opportunity to take advantage of that excitement, to identify things that they could do to help us and ways that we could help that specific aspect of our year end appeal grow in significant ways. So um, we pulled together, for example, we pulled together some very simple um, graphics that we posted on our Facebook page and our volunteers knew, 
on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're going to have new content. Share it with everybody following you. And we had 100% participation. It was the easiest thing for me to ask them to do. And before they hit post, they would write a personal comment to everybody they're connected with. And so everybody they were connected with, and then, you know, we had suddenly had people following our Facebook page because they were so fascinated by that. So that was the first opportunity. We did some very simple, inexpensive postcards for people to take with them. Um, they put their own stamps on them and they'd write a specific, they, they, we had a pre-printed message and we had a portion of the panel for them to write a personalized message to that recipient. And, you know, I had one volunteer send out 125 postcards the second year. It was crazy. And I was so excited and, and, it, and it resulted in some, um, it resulted in, in some uh, donation activity, which was a lot of fun. So with your volunteers, it sounds like you have them really involved from the beginning with the sharing of social posts. And I, I really like how you guys have made it as easy as possible for them because that's key, right? Mm -hmm. People don't realize what they, they're just not there every day. They don't see it. They don't understand what they could be posting. So you're by giving them the posts, you're making it as easy as possible for them to do this thing for you. Yeah. And the postcards, you're not just saying, Hey, write a letter. You're like, Hey, here is the postcard. Right. And even making them part of the envelope stuffing. I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, you are definitely getting them involved. So I know that you said that you pair your volunteers with their strengths, and then you also have a Google folder for your year-end activities that you share with people. Like you yes. have a needs list of things that have to be done, mm -hmm. and you you make sure to show them how much needs to be done. Mm -hmm. So how does that work? Do you just like email it out to everybody and you're like, here's our Google folder with all the stuff right. in it? Or like, what is that? what does that transaction look like? That looks like the first week of September, we do send the link to that Google Doc out to all of our volunteers, including our board, because um, we all have a tendency to forget that our board are volunteer mem they're members of our volunteer corps as well. They just have a deeper commitment to the organization. And so um, I will share that the first week of September to say, here are all the things we need help with. Here are the job descriptions. This is what you'll be doing. This is who we'll be working with. This is what we estimate to be the amount of time necessary to do this job. Um, and then- That's great. Yeah, to say, this yeah, is only going to take two to four hours. Um, you know, and this is who we'll be working with. And this job can be done remotely. This job has to be done during business hours, but you can set your schedule. You can work, you know, all of these days um, during these hours. Just let us know what would work best for you. So essentially, all it is, is we're providing them with a menu of ways they can help. And again, by clarifying, 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 giving them everything they need to know. And then when they get there, making sure they have everything they need to do that job. And so when you send the invitation with the Google Doc, you're inviting people who might not even have that monetary resource, but mm -hmm. have a skill that they want to share with you. And then from what I understand, you like they literally assign themselves a job. They're like, I'll take this job. And then and then one question that I have is I found that if even when I assign people jobs or even if I am volunteering for something, like I need to be managed some, like have somebody check in on me and, and make mm -hmm. sure that like I have everything I need and that everything is okay. So 
how often do you check back in with people once you've given them their tasks and their job description? You didn't give them, they volunteered for their tasks they and their job description. Yeah. How often are you checking back in with them and like making sure they're okay? Well, um, there are a couple of touch points during that mm-hmm. process. And when somebody signs up and they say, oh, I can do that. And I can do that on this day. I put that on my calendar. Mm-hmm. So my calendar is just like Barbara said she would do this assembly for us. And she's bringing two of her friends, this friend, this friend, whose email addresses and mailing addresses I'm getting from Barbara. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't know that yet, but she's going to you know, provide it because I'd like to send a handwritten thank you letter when it's done. But essentially when they sign up and I see that they've signed up and that's something I check at the end of every day. So I'm putting it on my calendar. I have to know, like with all this strategy and Mm -hmm. all of these like things that you've implemented, Mm -hmm. what did you do before you were an executive director? Have you always been in the nonprofit industry or is it, or, or like, did you do something else before? Because you're really creative about this. It's not like you're, you're not, you're not like tired. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, oh, we just do this, but, but you're really passionate and creative. So I just wondered if this has always been your like journey or if there was something that brought you here. Um, I have, um, I've been in and out of the nonprofit world my whole career. Um, I've worked in lots of for-profit situations where I've done business development. And if there's anything that jumps out at me from the for-profit corporate business development world is that um, people like to be thanked. People like to be remembered. So my sales force has all kinds of interesting little little notes, little quirky things, the names of their kids, if they ever mention them to me, things like that. Um, Yeah. And it it just becomes part of your process. It's business development. Mm -hmm. It really is. And in business, it's a rarity for somebody to get a handwritten thank you note. So yeah, I order thank you notes by, uh, I, I buy them on Amazon, 250 notes at a time. And every day I look at my calendar, I look at my interactions, I say, who do I need to write a thank you note to? Because somebody is going to open that and just feel like, oh my gosh, you wrote me a note. You didn't have to write me a note. You could have sent me an email or, you know, you said thank you when we talked. So it's, um, it's just really kind of interesting to see how people react to really simple I don't know, simple niceties. It, it's not It's not extravagant. It's not something that's going to require a lot of effort on your part, but it makes a huge impact on your part. Yeah. And it sounds like too, it's a healthy way for us to develop a attitude of gratitude. I feel like people mm-hmm. who are thankful are happier in life. And so it's kind of, it could almost be like your, your own journaling therapy every day to write your thank you I, notes yeah. to everyone else who makes I, everything possible. Right. Just like that donor's euphoria. Every time I sit down and I think about something specific to the individuals I'm writing to um, it, and I feel great. I feel great. Sometimes I do it first thing in the morning. Sometimes I do it right before I leave. I will admit to doing it while watching television when I get home because I didn't have any time to do it at the office. But it's important to me to get them out the same day. Get them out the same day. Get them in front of people. People need to feel your gratitude. Gratitude is palpable. Um, and, And people's delight at helping you and absolutely having no question they're helping you um, is, is important. 
So we have covered so many things during our discussion today from how you're prepping for your in giving, doing your homework right now, how you're inviting people to be your, you're a master of invitations. I think that's so fun. And also how you're getting your volunteers involved and deepening those relationships and giving them the opportunity to help your organization. Now to wrap it up, I was just hoping that if you had a um, word of advice or like a most important thing about running your year-end giving campaign to offer to our listeners before we wrap up. Sure. Um, I would um, encourage you to invite everyone's participation. And if you have a staff Um, And I have a clinical staff, so I have very little daily interaction with them. I will ask them in an all staff meeting. We have this coming up. I'd like to make some Thanksgiving cards available to you. I'd like to make some urine appeal letters available to you. I'd like to do this. Like, who would like to help? I I get 100% participation because, of course, everybody wants to help. So I would invite everyone to participate. People will tell you what they can and can't do. Um, and I say that uh, nothing's off the table. Ask for, ask for the inter- introduction. If they can't do an introduction, ask for all the contact information. You know, unless of course they can do a meeting with you to do a face-to-face introduction. That's you know that's gold. But um, yeah, I'll never stop asking the people who are already connected to you to help. You don't have to do it all on your own. And I feel like you're good at finding the synergies where you're connecting or your organization can connect with that individual at whatever level they're willing to give or participate with everything down to somehow finding a grant that's going to pay for the building. Like those were all just finding the synergies and like matching it up. You're like playing a Tetris game kind of of matching. (laughs) And who in a nonprofit agency is not playing Tetris every day? Oh, I have payroll coming up, but I have to pay this, but maybe I can postpone it because something else is coming in. Yeah. You're constantly playing Tetris. Every aspect of your operation is a giant Tetris game. So Carol, why don't we wrap this up by you telling us where people can go learn more about your organization? Well, you can find us. Our website is childsafecolorado.org. You can also find us on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. Um, Please feel free to connect with me. I'm always happy to share information. Um, it's, you know, I think it's one of the most important things that an, yeah, an organization's leader can do to help other organizations. It just keeps the good stuff moving forward. So don't hesitate. I'd, I'd be happy to help. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It was fun. Once again, my name is Monica Pitts, and you're listening to Nonprofit Marketing with Purpose. Now, before I let you go, I just want to remind you about that little favor I asked you about in the beginning. Will you please review this podcast wherever you're listening? It will help us show up when people are looking for answers to the problems that this podcast will help them solve. So if you're a fan and you haven't reviewed the podcast, please leave me a review. That would be so awesome. I would love to hear your feedback. And if this was your first time, I mean, double welcome. And I hope you learned a thing or two. So leave a review so we can connect with even more awesome nonprofits just like you and help them on their journey to less stressful and more successful marketing. 
Thanks again for your time today. Now, until next time, go forth and market with purpose.